Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So yesterday, I had, I've had a great weekend. I've had the whānau up from the South Island and I've had the whānau down from the North, as they do, and they converge at our house all over the place. And we drown ourselves in tea and coffee and eat what we shouldn't be eating. You know, I never thought I'd get sick of chocolate. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but we do. So the thing is, is that um, my niece, she was uh, performing at the senior Kapahaka finals. Do you know what Kapahaka is? Everybody know what it is? Put your hand up if you don't. <laughs> Kapahaka is, is dance, Maori dance. So they were performing at the finals. And the thing is that I went there and I went with my nephews and, and nieces and we sat there. And the good thing about it was when you go somewhere where you go back to your roots, it feels good, doesn't it? Really, really good. Whether you're a country girl living in the city and you go back to the country, it just feels good. Amen. Um, Susanna and Samu, when they go back to Fiji, it feels good. And there are certain things that are attributes when you go back to where you come from that you do. My kids, when they come back to my house, I say hello to their backsides because that's the only thing I can see when they're sticking out of the fridge because they're looking for something to eat. You know, I've never said hello to so many backsides in all my life since, since kids have been bigger because <laughs> that's all they do. But there's certain attributes in our family that we have. You know, we hug each other, we kiss all the time, each other's heads and our foreheads and we talk and we talk and then my, my sister, when she comes to my house, she comes into my room, pinches all my clothes and my jewellery that I don't nail down. All that sort of stuff, that's normal for us. When we get together, because Munro and Owen, they're my family, when we get together, we eat, we talk too loud, we drink too much coffee, tea, all the rest of it. But in saying all of this, it made me think when I was watching yesterday, and, and I don't understand Māori. I don't understand the language. But there were a couple of dances they did. And my niece and I sat there and we cried our eyes out. And I said to her, what are you crying for? She said, I don't even know what they're saying. I don't know why. But there's this was feeling. Māori's call it wairua. We call it spirit to spirit that happens. And there's this stuff that happens. And when we go back and we're together like that, there are certain things we expect from one another. When we are together as Christians, we expect honesty. It's just one of those things that we don't ever talk about, but it is resident amongst us. Amen? And so when we think about honesty, we think about this. Honesty, we need honesty when we're doing business. We want to know a person's honest. Amen? When we want to, you know, get near somebody and make a friend of them, we want to know they're honest. Amen? And when we're looking for tenants or boarders or people who are going to sleep in, uh, stay in our house, what are we looking for? Honesty. Yeah. Because then you can trust them. And it's something we place a high value on, honesty. 
we place a high value on that and we hope that people who talk to us can sense an honesty in our own lives. We want people to see us as honest, amen? And so honesty is something that we hardly ever talk about, but it's something that we place a high value on. So what is this honesty? It's a commitment. Honesty is a commitment to being straight up and transparent. And um, so I want to talk today about a couple who were dishonest. And uh, before I do that, um, I just want us to pray. just want us to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in every word, Lord, you said it never comes back void. And Father, today I know, Lord, that every piece of your word gives us life. And Father, so we embrace today the word that you've given to us. We embrace, Lord, everything within it. And we say, Lord, speak to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so in Acts 4, picture this. There's a whole lot of people. This is a big temple, the temple court, and there's a whole lot of people in there. And uh, the Bible says there was a multitude. Some Bible scholars reckon there was about 5,000 people all gathered together. I mean, the thought of that at the onset for me is like, yeah, it's too many people. But there was 5,000 people. They all gathered together. And uh, you could hear the sound of many voices, people all talking at once. And every now and again, you hear somebody crying. And then all of a sudden, you'll hear somebody shouting out loud. And then you'll see the odd person jumping around and dancing and going, yippee, yippee. That's what I see anyway. But it's not an angry mob. This is Acts 4. It's not an angry mob. The voices all talking at once. It's prayer and people, you know, encouraging each other. And they're happy to be with each other. And the cry, cries that you hear are cries of deliverance as one prays for another. And people are set free. That's what that noise is. And there are people, there are people all talking at once and they're crying. And some of them got their faces to the ground. Others are crying because somebody has said, what? You've got no food. I'll fix it. I'll give you what you need. What? You've got a great big bill. I'll pay it. I'll pay it. And then the other person will say, but what do you want me to do? And this one will say, nothing. I just want to do it. I'll pay your bills. I'll feed your family. I'll clothe your family. That's what the noise is about. And so this multitude, remember it's the beginning of the formation of the church. They are in one heart, one soul, all together. Can you imagine? I mean, it just blows your mind that... 5,000 people are gathered together, let alone being of one heart and one soul. And so how does that even happen? What, when we talk of the heart, we think in terms of the, the place where God dwells. This is where God meets us. This is the heart. When we think of the soul, we think of the place where a person's mind and their emotions and their will dwells. This is the place we think, we feel, and we make our decisions from. So 5,000 people, imagine it, <laughs> all like that, thinking one thing. All they want to do is help each other. Wow. Amen. I can't even get my kids off the sofa to help me with the dishes. What? 
And all of these people are saying, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? And they're loving on each other. What? You haven't got anything? Here, come to my place. Live at my house. Not come and stay for a night. Come and live. Come and live. You got nothing? It's all right. I'll look after your kids. I'll educate them. This is what one heart, one soul is all about. So there's 5,000 people, and they're giving freely and willingly so that no person is without. And it's during this time also there's a man called Barnabas. I think Pastor Phil talked about him last week, the son of encouragement. And he has money, and he has property. He goes out, he sells the whole lot, sells the whole lot, brings it back, lays it at the feet of those who are distributing. He says, God, you can use that for the congregation. Whoever is in need, use it. And do you know what? This is what it was all about. But it was into this that a couple called Ananias and Sapphira stepped into. Ananias and Sapphira. They were attracted to this community. Now these two saw the love and the care and the unconditional love that was in the community. But unlike Barnabas, who wanted to do it from the love of his heart and the grace that was on his life, they didn't see a place where they could be participators in the community. They saw a community where they could get some personal gain. They were people whose hearts were not totally connected to the others. So, if we go through this, Acts chapter 5 and verse 1 to 11 says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, wasn't your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon those who heard. And the young man came and they wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And three hours later, when his wife came in, not knowing what happened, she walks in and Peter says, Oh, so tell me, so you sold the land for this much? And she says, Yeah, yeah, that's how much we sold it for. That's me paraphrasing, by the way. Then Peter said to her, How is it you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And then she immediately fell down and breathed the last. So this guy, Ananias, his name means Jehovah is gracious. He was blessed. He had a wife called Sapphira, and Sapphira means beautiful. So he was a wealthy man with a beautiful wife, and he was, had his sins forgiven him because he was within the community of the believers. So we would suppose that he was a Christian. So he was, his sins were forgiven, he had material possessions, he had a gorgeous wife. I mean, and when the Bible says she was beautiful, she would have been drop dead gorgeous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, don't you husbands nod your heads. You know, careful, careful. And I ask you, what more could a man ask for? 
and everybody's, all the men are thinking, big car, V8. No, I mean, really, what more could he want? He had everything. But they wanted more. They didn't just want to, they didn't just want acceptance. They wanted a claim in the congregation. They didn't just want to be accepted by the church. They wanted to be acclaimed by the church. And they didn't want to be just a member of the body of Christ. They wanted to be prominent members of the body of Christ. This is what they wanted. So even though all around him stuff was, them, stuff was going on that was awesome, people giving up, people sacrificing, this is what they wanted. You see, dedicated and unselfish believers, they often have the admiration of many. Amen? But they're not looking for it. They never are looking for it. Sacrificial believers, people who really believe that God can fill their needs, they're not looking for acclaim or admiration. There's no grandstanding. There's no pride. There's no need to network with all those in authority so there'll be somebody. There's none of that stuff happening. There's no need to be held in high spiritual esteem by the other members of the church. There is no agenda. That's what that's all about. Amen. And why I'm saying this is, you know, we do, we can, we can very much be like that. Want to be one higher than the other. And it's only God that chooses that for us. Amen. We can't do that. We can't get a claim from even the Holy Spirit. We can't get a claim from him by doing better, doing more, doing faster, doing bigger. It doesn't work like that. So this is them. This is Ananias and Sapphira. So they couldn't, they didn't have what it takes to be able to pray and obey and leave the rest to God. They didn't have what that took. So you know what they had to do? Have you any idea what they had to do? They had to fake it. They had to fake it. Ooh, that's nasty. Would you like a chance to have a bit bit of a breathe? Loosen the shirt. Nah. They had to fake it. Because they wanted to be held in high esteem by the other people in the community. They wanted to be the top of the notch. But how many of us know this? That that is not what 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 God wants for us. Do you know, when James and I first started out with Faith Point. When we were in our previous churches, there was a certain amount of acclaim. We were were leaders, we were staff members, we were pastors in big churches. People said hi, you know, to us. And people who were people said hi to us. And then we stopped that and nobody said hi to us anymore. (laughs) James and I were just saying hi to each other. (laughs) And you know, my heart of hearts, I wanted to go back. I wanted to be somebody. But God was saying to my heart, you're already somebody. You know, you are already somebody. You are world famous in heaven. That used to be one of my favorite sayings. I'm world famous in heaven. You know, if the angels are clapping, you know, what more do I need? Thank you, angels. Thank you, angels. And it was difficult. But 
The thing is, is if you haven't got what it takes, what we tend to do, just like we do in the world, is we fake it. Pretend we're okay. Add in, yeah, good, good, good. What are you up to? Oh, I've got me a new house, new car. Yeah. Okay, God spoke to me last night in a dream, and not one, but ten angels showed up. Cha! Ten angels. And just to say, I've never seen an angel. If an angel looks like a wall, then I have seen an angel. I have not, never seen an angel. And there's nothing wrong with seeing angels, but that's not my thing. Amen? That's not what God has allowed me to do. So, but they couldn't do what the others were doing in Anais and Sapphira. They couldn't do what Barnabas had done. Give it all and then just leave everything to God. So they had to fake it. They had to fake it. And it wasn't greed. It was just because they had no confidence in God being able to supply their needs. They had confidence in money and material things. They thought that was their security, not God. And honestly, I have had times like that in my own life where I've faked it. And how does it look when I fake it? It's like, yeah, amen, praise God. He will supply all my needs. And really, when I go home, it's like, how am I going to pay for the bills? I don't know. I don't know. So my confession is not true. It's just a, a mantra I make myself feel good with, you know. And, I mean, God has blessed us amazingly, miraculously over the years. And I'd like to say that I believe God and I drew it down from heaven. But it never happened like that, you know. It never happened like that. Most of the time, God's answers come from this side and bang me on the head. And I've gone, oh, chair, look at that. But it had probably nothing to do with me. I can remember this one time when I was over in Cambodia. And my friend had said to me, we get up early in the morning, we go to the prisons, and you're going to preach in the prisons. And so I thought, I've got to get up. I've got to pray. I've got to pray hard. You know, I've got to have some prayer backing, prayer backing. And I um, missed the alarm. So we were set to go on motorbikes at upper six. And I got up at, I don't know, about um, quarter past six. It was too late to have one of my rock-solid prayer meetings. And I just got on the floor and I said to God, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Really, what I was saying was, God, how am I going to do this? I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And if I prayed for half an hour at least, I know your power would be beside And God said to me, hey, 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 I don't need your prayers. I can do this on my own. If I'd have named that, I just would have, you know, waited till seven o'clock maybe. <laughs> and I suddenly began to realise it wasn't, it wasn't because of the prayers. It was because I'd got up with that heart that said, I want to be with God before I go out. It wasn't the prayers. I prayed, we pray, and we pray because we want to, not because we have to. Amen? Amen. So Ananias had to fake it. Like, so they made a plan like Bonnie and Clyde and they would sell the property, stash the money and put it in a safety deposit box and put it in the ground and a spot mark X, right? They'd take some of the money, then they'd go to the apostles and they would lay it down, probably with a flourish more like, like that rather than like that. With a flourish, they'd lay it down. I mean... They weren't going to say anything. They weren't going to say, you know, I didn't give you all the money. I just gave you. They weren't going to say anything about it. They could have given the money, 
and not said a word. And, and they could have thought to themselves, well, it's not up to me what people think. If they think that's all the money that I gave, awesome, you know. But God knew their hearts, amen. How many of us know that we can't hide anything from God? Not even our good intentions. Can't even hide that. And anyway, they thought, I won't tell anybody how much we sold it for. We'll just give them the money and they, they'll assume that we bought all the money and boom, I'm an instant acclaim as a spiritual self-sacrificing believer. That's almost as good as the rap that Georgie, Georgie did last week. You know, and... They thought, this is, what it, this is what I'll do. So what was wrong with the plan? It's the same as every plan that we have made through the flesh. Same thing. They didn't lie. They didn't hurt anyone. They just handed over the money, said nothing so that people would assume that they'd given the lot. It's not their problem what others thought. What was wrong with the plan? This is what was wrong with the plan. Peter was on the job. Peter, the apostle, was on the job. This guy had the gift of discernment. Some, one of the things that God hands out to you when you become a Christian. The gift of discernment. He could see things that God could see because he spent time with God. Amen? And even before Ananias could open his mouth, he says this. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price? He said that even before Ananias had a chance to open his mouth. Yeah, people like that are spooky, eh? They know everything about you and you haven't even said, hey, how you doing? And then all of a sudden, excuse me, all of a sudden God speaks to them and he's like, they say, this is what God has said and they start prophesying like that. When Jenny Atherson prays for me, that's what she does. She prophesies down the line is like, Ouch, ouch. <laughs> but then God begins to speak to me good things, you know. And so, this is what Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? And then he goes on further than that. And I'm saying these things because this is after what the Holy Spirit was saying this morning about, you know, we got to basically, he was saying, you know, man up or woman up, however you want to look at it. These are the things that the Holy Spirit is saying to us. We in the house of God, we have got to get these things because the thing is about this is that Peter saw through Ananias and Sapphira, there are people in the congregation that can see right through the stories that we might feel obliged to tell to make our images better. It's normally not just one or two. It's normally a whole bunch of them. And so we find out at the end of it, if we're telling uh, big stories, we usually find out the only people we're kidding are ourselves. Amen. This is a good thing. Don't look at me like that. It's all right. This is a good thing. God's just reminding us what he is capable of. And was it somebody come up this morning and said that hell is being made to look like nothing? Sin is made to look like nothing. Heaven is made to look not that good. Well, we are Christians. We're supposed to make God look good. Amen? And we need to be honest people, loving people, people that do give a hoot about what's going on in people's lives. That's the type of people we are. 
We are Christians. We are followers of Jesus, amen. This is what we do. This is who we are. Yeah, so anyway, we have Ananias, and he's standing there, and Pete just right down the middle says, Ta-da, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? What are you doing, brother? And you see, we don't want to be kidding ourselves. When you say something, when you testify, the Bible says that there is power in testimony, amen? When you testify, when I testify, I have to make sure that the facts are straight. Let's not just sort of pull it out a little bit so it looks a bit flasher. Let's not do that. We're honest people, amen? Law-abiding, honest people, the citizens of heaven. Are you guys all right? Yeah, awesome. And I think, see, one of the problems I had when I first came to the Lord was that I would ex, I can't remember the word, I'd tell a story bigger than it was, basically. Exaggerate, exaggerate, yeah. And why did I do that? It's because I had a captive audience. And I wanted to look like I knew what I was doing. I mean, I was a pastor after all. Half the time I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> she laughs. <laughs> but, you know, and I had to fabricate some things so that I could look good. And that was faking it. That was keeping up appearances. Let's not do that. Let's be an honest people. Amen? Let's be people who certainly if God is going to bless you, then tell it like it is. Because it's going to be a blessing to anybody, everybody anyway. You know, God is good. Amen. So this is, that's the thing that Peter said. You have not lied to men but to God. God will sort you out. And I'd rather get sorted out by men than God, if you ask me. And, and Ananias and Sapphira were dishonest. And they implied a greater spirituality than what they possessed. And they let people think more highly of them than, than what was real. That's what they did. That was their sin. It wasn't holding back the money. It was wanting their claim. So can you imagine then what sort of relationship Ananias and Sapphira had when they went home? If they were committed to faking it, can you imagine what that looked like when you got home? Because usually if somebody is faking it, it's everybody that lives in the same house as them that has to, that has to handle what happens. Because... The faker will get home, so I hope you don't mind me calling him the faker or her the faker. The faker gets home and he doesn't have to worry about what everybody can see, so he just lets it all hang out. And so that's when the violence starts, that's when the swearing starts, that's when the bad, uh, the stubbornness starts, that's when all the stuff that isn't godly starts. That's when the telling lies start, it's just not beautiful (laughs) and so we have to be those sort of people that will actually say sword in the ground I'm going to be honest about my life everything about my life is going to be honest thank you Lord thank you Lord so you know we started we can start our Christian life determined that we're going to be free from living up to appearances, but it isn't long before we get into a bunch of people and it can start happening again. We start telling stories that are taller. Um, My nephew, who came up from the South Island, one of his best sayings when we talk 
and we got lost in the story, he'll say, are you just making that up or is that real? You know, he's like, oh, cheapest, you're a bit straight up. He's honest. Amen. So today I just want to bring this word because I'm, I understand that we can get up into the things that God is saying to us through the prophetic word and we can forget some of the stuff that's basic to us. And we need to remain honest with ourselves and honest with each other. Because I'm telling you, brother or sister, there are people who can see right through it. And don't let that be a thing that makes you afraid. Let it actually be a thing of security. Knowing that you can be who you are here when you're amongst the people of God. That you can be whoever you are. And we can help each other out. Amen. You know, in uh, the psalmist, David wrote this in Psalm 139. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. How do you know that you're relying on money and personal possessions? Because when the bank balance goes down, so does your demeanour. When the bank balance is high, so is your demeanour. If that's the thing that is controlling how you feel, how you are, there's some work to be done. And verse 24 says this, And if see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of the everlasting. That's the prayer we need to pray today, Lord. I need to show you, you need, I need to allow you to see my heart because I'm anxious about so much. You know, what the cat's eating, it makes me anxious. What I do at work makes me anxious. My boss makes me anxious. My mates make me anxious. My kids make me anxious. My husband makes me really anxious. And it's time to pass it on to God and it's time to talk to somebody and let them pray for you. Amen. And we say to God in that prayer, create in me a clean heart, Psalm 51, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's a spirit that will be bold and stay strong. And don't cast me away from your presence because, you know, we're really lost when we've lost the presence of God around our lives. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Amen. Now please don't walk away and think, oh, why did she have to preach on this? She thinks I'm not not honest. I do think that God knows our heart. You see, even when Peter Peter said to Ananias, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? He didn't pronounce judgment on Ananias so he fell down and died. That happened. All he said was the truth. Why have you lied? He didn't say, now God, come and smite him. Because we're not smiters. Amen? No, that's right. See, so a few faithers go, no, aren't we? If I can get you to stand to your feet, please.